The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full-body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. We're going to enjoy this one just like we did the last one. All right? Because they're freaking hard to come by in this league. You with me? All right? But we're gonna enjoy it for about 24 hours, all right? A little less than that because we got a month, we got a we got a short week, okay? And then we're gonna turn our attention to getting to freaking three and zero. You with me? And we just keep freaking stacking them, keep stacking them, keep stacking them, all right? And listen, we don't look behind us, we don't look ahead of us. All we do is look at the next one right there in front of us. You know why? They're in our way. Okay? They're in our way. That's a hell of a, that's a hell of a win. Dennis Allen, his Saints moved to 2-0 with a 20-17 victory over the Panthers. Last night, wasn't able to really study that game because I was at the other game. I prefer my Monday Night Football games one at a time, and if they're going to have two, I would prefer they be back-to-back. I don't get this idea of playing two games at once and live look-ins because I know some people will watch one game and then watch all of the other one later. They don't want to have it spoiled. They don't want... And that that's what they should do. They should respect the wishes, Chris, of the people who truly want to watch both games consecutively. Why the live look-ins? I saw like Miles Simmons was complaining about that last night. Like if I wanted to watch the other game, I'd watch the other game. I don't need a split screen on ESPN showing me Saints Panthers on half and Steelers Browns on the other. I would half. agree I with that. For Steelers Browns. Right. I don't want the other stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Every, we've all got the capacity now. If yeah. we want two screens, yeah. this isn't 1985. Right. We all have, have everybody's got what, however you do it, whether it's a computer and a TV, two TVs, two phones, a tablet, whatever. Anybody that wants to watch both games can. This, oh, look at what we can do. Crap is pointless. Play one game on one channel, one game on the other. And stop with this. What do you want him to do? Change the channel from one game to the other? It makes no sense. What's the point of it? No, I, I, I it didn't make sense to me either. I, I, I know it, it's like it's almost like they were playing us for dummies. Like you don't know how to change the channel, or you're not sure where that other game is, so we'll put it on there for you. And it's like, nah, it's 2023. We know how to get there. Uh, I would agree. There was definitely some moments of like that. Like, wait, I, I, I got the other game on. And now I got both games going on the TV here because you're showing me a live look in than the other one, right? So uh, uh, it was it was weird. Um, but but either way, I did enjoy, you know, a 7-15 start and getting like a little bit of an hour of a game before the, the Brown-Steelers game went on. The Saints, you know, it was a defensive struggle, Mike. That's really what it was. It was very impressive kind of defense on both sides, especially the Panthers' defense. I would say that. Their, their defense was extremely impressive. The Saints defense was impressive, but there's the question of, I don't really know, you know, Bryce Young and that offense, they're nothing to write home about right now. But I will say, like, this Saints football team, there is potential, we know that, to where they can be something. That's what I look at. Now, I watch them here through two weeks, and I, I want more. That's what I would say with them. Like, you want more. You go, wait, you, you got a pretty good offensive line. You got Derek Carr. You know, you got decent tight ends. You got a very good receiving core. 
and you know it's just lack of consistency I think on that side of the ball as of right now it's kind of the splash plays and maybe they don't have it all together yet and Alvin Kamara is going to be back you know at some point here in the near future but yeah it, it was a defensive struggle game where as the game went on you just went Carolina is not going to be able to pull this off. They just can't. They don't have enough offense here. Bryce Young's not ready for this. And you kind of just felt like, how long can the Carolina defense keep this up before Derek Carr, Olavi, you know, Rashid Shaheed, somebody makes a play and, and kind of makes it hard on the, the Carolina Panthers football team? This is like the Ravens' first two victories. Money in the bank for future use because the Saints are going to be different in January than they are now as they figure all this out and get to whoever they're going to be and get Alvin Kamara back. He's serving a three-game suspension for violation of the personal conduct policy dating back to the incident in February of 2022 in Las Vegas that happened in connection with the Pro Bowl weekend. They get him back, that changes things. They keep winning without him, that's good. They got one more game to go without Alvin Kamara. So... I, look, it was a boring game. I was getting texts from my writers about how boring the game was. That's what happens when both defenses are really good and the offenses can't get anything going. You know, it's going to take time for the Panthers and Bryce Young. And I know David Tepper, the owner of the team, not exactly a patient guy, wants a return on his investment, wants a competitive team. He's sitting there at the bottom of the NFC South now at 0-2 with all of the other teams, Falcons, Bucks and saints 2-0 and so not a great start for frank reich in carolina not a great start for bryce young but we we knew all along it was going to take time right for any of these rookies it's going to take time cj stroud is 0-2 and, and he's had great statistics he's 0-2 anthony richardson's 1-1 one one. he suffered a concussion and one of the reasons he's 1-1 one one is because he played cj stroud so yeah. it's just going to take some time and it, it's going to potentially be ugly but I'm a firm believer in letting the guy play young, letting him take his his lumps now so the game hopefully slows down and he's better later. That's the key. Sitting on the bench, you're not going to get better because you're not experiencing the game action. No. If you're able to go out there and play and protect yourself, get out there and play because you're going to be better next year for it. Uh, I agree there, right? And, and they're not a great offense, so there's not a ton of support and talent around them. It's not like they got a superstar running back. They lack some weapons in the past game that scare you there, right? I mean, you know, the bottom line is they're featuring Adam Thielen as like the number one target for their offense. I'm, I'm you know, Adam Thielen, you know, I got NFL legend, m- much respect. Most offenses, Adam Thielen would be your third receiver on your team right now. So that's not helping out Bryce Young either, right? So, yeah, but, you know, the, the big thing to me with the Bryce Young, just to hit on that before you get back to the Saints here who won the football game, is Bryce Young – uh, I don't like the way it looks. That's just this plain and simple fact of it. You know, I'd be sitting there if I was working for the Carolina Panthers going, damn, did we really draft him with the number one pick? Did we? Is that what we did? We, he he can't make any big throws outside the numbers, right? He can't really run away from people. The Red Sea parted one time and he ran up the middle. Uh, so that is what concerns me. He does not look like C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson on the field. There's no way. They clearly right now look a notch above uh, Bryce Young, like clearly. I don't think that's debatable. I think if you asked any quarterback who ever played quarterback in the history of football and the ones in football right now and you got them in a, in a room privately, they'd go, yeah, it, it don't look right right now. I would much rather have C.J. Stroud than Anthony Richardson. But at the same time, too, yes, the support system around him and Frank Reich implementing a system and them changing the way they play on offense, that's all working against them, too. So that's where I don't want to judge too harshly. But but my eye, the way it sits there and look right now, I don't go, oh, wow, man, they, they stole something here at number one. Wow, they got something. No, I have more concern than positive reviews to talk about right now when it comes to Bryce Young. And this is part of the problem of an owner – who gets himself involved in the process. David Tepper got himself involved, going to the pro days, having dinner, developing an affinity personally for Bryce Young, developing a sense that I really like this guy. I want this guy to be the guy who's my quarterback. And forcing it through, not that the owner ever says, you must do this. Peter King and I have this argument all the time. One of the benefits of being that rich and powerful is Everyone is hanging on every word you say. 
They're trying to discern what it is you want so they can give you what you want without you ever having to ask for it. It's a very difficult I don't spot. even think they had a discern on this one, Mike. Chris, I, I think this Chris, was flat out like, I like him, and we're going to take yeah. him. That, that's what it I seems want him. Like. Yeah, right. Uh, so when you trade up, I mean, this is one of the – the basic human factors that gets lost in all this talk about analytics and how fast to run 40 yards in a straight line and whether you can make all the throws. You trade up from nine to one. You And you make that guy the first overall pick in the draft with C.J. Stroud right behind him and Anthony Richardson two spots later. You put extra pressure on this 21-year-old kid. Yep, It's already pressure. If you're going to be the number one pick anyway, it's pressure. But not only are you the number one overall pick, the team that made you the number one overall pick mortgaged its future and traded up to get you. It's Trey Lance. It's that same mindset. It is very much, right. It's already going to be difficult. Why do you want to make it even harder for these kids and put them in that position by trading up? Right. I think it's, it's a cautionary tale that nobody pays attention to pre-draft because what's the, the vibe pre-trade? Oh, the higher pick is the better pick. Let's get the higher pick. We don't want to sit around and wait for a quarterback. I want what I want. There's a Veruca Salt quality to it for these owners. I want what I want. I want it now. So they go get it, and they don't think about the impact it's going to have on this kid who's going to be the one who's got to go out there and play when everyone's saying, oh, look at everything they gave up to get him, and they made him the number one overall pick. And, man, he doesn't look great in comparison to the other guys. It's, you know, it's different from what Deshaun Watson's dealing with, but it's the same idea. Yeah. You never really feel comfortable. Every game you're being scrutinized and you're chasing these guys who went after you. And it's one of the reasons why yeah. some of these guys don't work out. Yeah, no, agreed. It's, you know, I think you explained that, that part really pretty well. There is, there is added pressure there. And it, yeah, it, it's, it's, we know it's the number one pick and it's hard enough, but like you said, yeah, when you trade up for him and then you go, wait, this is our guy. And then, you know, like you said, we, you see the other two guys and kind of how they look and you go, Ooh, they clearly belong and do some really good things. Like CJ Stroud has been quietly pretty awesome both weeks. Anthony Richardson has been awesome both weeks. It's just unfortunate he got hurt. So yeah, that, that's going to be the thing to watch out going forward. But like we're, we're saying too, I don't want to be too harsh there either because the the talent around him right now is not necessarily fitting to what he can do either so we'll we'll watch this as it develops and he played a really good defense last night or I think it's a really good defense I think it's a good defense it might be a really good defense right I'm um, the Saints good job two and oh right we know both three interceptions in week one against Tannehill but I think it's fair to say we're not sure how good the Tennessee Titans offense is yet Right. So there's that aspect. And then, of course, last night, you know, with the Carolina offense, I, I know that's not going to be a very good offense this year. So so that is where I go. Ooh, defense potential. I like what they see. And of course, there's some there's some culture and and, and some toughness and some battle testedness hey. there. Right. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Right. But then on the offensive side of the ball, too, with the Saints, you know, again, there's there's silver linings. It didn't look great last night. But what I would also say to that is almost the vice versa of what I said with their defense, Mike. You know, they're an offense. They got talent. We know that. It's their first two games together. They did play two really good defenses. I mean, they had to deal with Mike Vrabel and the Titans, who we know are a pain in the butt and can game plan. And that, pa that Panthers defense last night is really good. And they have, to me, one of the best rising stars in all of football the defensive on the defensive side of the ball, and E.J. Evero, their D coordinator, who I think is the next guy to be a head coach as far as, you know, guys that come out of the defensive side of the ball, is extremely creative there too. So it, it was tough sledding for their offense. But, you know, like I was saying, they got weapons. You know, it is week two with some new people. And Alvin Kamara will be back in a few weeks. And I look at the Saints and go, ooh, I see some things I like. It's not perfect yet, but you definitely see some, some uh, you know, things that would, would scare you if you had to play them or game plan against them. The good news for the Panthers is late in the game when it was basically decided, they did kind of pull it together a little bit and they got a drive going and it, it creates a little optimism. But how about this stat? Bryce Young is averaging 4.2 yards per attempt. It's the third lowest number through a player's first two career games in NFL history with a minimum of 50 attempts. That, that, that is not good. No, no. Uh, but maybe it'll get better. And, and we'll see. 
part of the reason they like him is the resilience, the smarts, the awareness. Maybe he can process all this and understand it's temporary. It's just a couple of games. I have a lot to learn. I have a lot of areas to improve. These other guys are more naturally gifted than me. My, my attribute comes from my ability to process. Remember, that was why. I yeah, the, sure. That's right. That process, 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 yeah. learn and grow. So long way to go for him and all the other rookie quarterbacks. Let's take a break. When we return, who is, who should be, who could be panicking with two weeks in the books? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. I'm not, I'm not worried about the Jacksonville loss. The Jacksonville loss hasn't carried on to this season whatsoever. If you've seen our training camp, or you've seen the way we played in the first two games, it hasn't had an impact on our team whatsoever. Our team is connected. Our team has played its heart out in two games, and we've lost two tough games. But there's, it has nothing to do with the Jacksonville game. And if you ask anyone in our locker room, it has nothing to do with the Jacksonville game. And that's just the truth. It's a convenient storyline for you and for everybody else, but it's not the truth. We've lost two tough games. The guys in that locker room, the men in that locker room, they are finishers and they have what it takes and we're excited to prove ourselves. Yeah, we just lost a game in overtime, Jeff. So how do you think the mood is? How do you think the mood is? How do you think it is? It's tough, it's tough. It's a tough, a tough group in there. There's a lot of pride in that room, okay? We put a lot into this and we got a good football team. And so we've lost two tough games. We gotta bounce back, learn from our mistakes and be ready for Minnesota. Is that Brandon Staley? I've never heard him talk like that. I like that. it. I like it. He needs that's, to be more like that more. Tua. Yeah. West Coast version, salty Tua. I mean, if that's who you are, don't, don't. Like one of the most stressful things in life is trying to be something that you're not. Just be who you are. If that's who you are, be feisty, be fiery. And he's right when he said, that's a convenient storyline for you and everybody else, because we all think that the Jacksonville collapse in the postseason did leave a mark how can it not when you've already lived through the worst possible circumstances of a game that you had falling away from you when it's closer than that you're gonna think here it comes that's the mindset here it comes and you're trying to go out there and do your thing and execute your assignment and play to your best ability but somewhere in the back of your brain that wheel is spinning here it comes here it comes here it comes. Once you've gone through something like that, here it comes. Falcons, 28 to three, here it comes. Here it comes. And you get to a point where you need basically a hard reset of the entire organization to get over something like that. And I know Brandon Staley has a bias in that regard because he would be part of the hard reset. He's trying to talk his way past this, but the reality is anyone that was on that team, anyone that was on the field for that playoff loss, they haven't forgotten it. How could you forget it when you lived it and saw your chance to advance to the next level ripped out from under you? Well, listen, I you know I do like like you, like you were saying there that he was a little defiant and you know talked to talked. I the like way that did. part. I did too. I just disagree I, with him. I know. I I hear you there. I I will say like I don't know if it necessarily means there's carryover. I just think it's like this is what they are in the last few years. They don't seem to ever win these tight football games for the most part. That's just what it is, and that's where it's a little disappointing, right? I mean, I will agree with them that they lost to the Dolphins. You and I and the whole football world knows the Dolphins got an all-star team. It's definitely one of the three or four best rosters in all of football. It's really not debatable, okay? So that was tough. I get it, you know? But you're also like, hey, wait, Chargers, you got a lot of money and stars here too, and you just always seem to lose those type of games. And then you go to Tennessee and, you know, we're both the big fans of Mike Vrabel and what they do, but you look at it and go, mm, you're more talented than Tennessee. And then here you go, you're a defensive coach and you got some defensive talent over there and they've spent money and resources there. And the Tennessee offense has nothing as we look at it right now, as far as firepower or anything like that. And you let up big plays to them. To a guy in Traylon Burke who we haven't seen make a big play really in his whole career, right? And 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 they took advantage of that and lost to Tannehill in an offense that I think we all know is really probably NFL average and going to have to be managed and played a certain way and play defense and chew up the clock. So that's where you know it's tough for the Chargers, Mike. It just seems like when it's these type of games, you know, 
It's, you know, it's why people sometimes say chargers doing chargers type of things. It's just, it, that's it's the feeling something. of them. Right. Right. It's always something right. with the chart. So that's where it's tough. And, and frankly, look, all due respect to the Spanos family. Very nice people. Always nice when I encounter them. Very helpful organization. Great social media team with their schedule release video. But there's something missing in the organization. And at a certain point, it rises above coaching, front office. It goes all the way to the top. These teams that, that find a ceiling that they just can't bust their head through no matter how hard they try. At a certain point, it's not just, oh, well, stuff happens. Yeah. At a certain point, there's something deeper. We've talked about that in the context of injuries. Right. But with the Chargers, if it's not injuries, it's something else. If it's not that, it's something else. If it's not this, it's something else. It's always something. So panic meter, scale of 1 to 10, Chargers through two weeks. First winless start since 2017 when they lost their first four games. And I remember back in 1992, they lost their first four games when Bobby Ross was the head coach and they made the playoffs. Yeah. And the first team do that starting oh and four what's your panic meter for the chargers scale of one to ten i think i'm at like a 7.5 with the the chargers uh, i i i think that's about where i am now i look at them and go we know they got talent they got a great quarterback you know you'd like the passing offense to be a little more explosive than it is through two weeks you know we did see hey they made me can run the ball this year but it's like we talked about a defensive head coach who the defense doesn't seem to play up to its capabilities or what we expect with the talent, the money, and being a defensive head coach. Now, I don't want to like count them out because they play your Vikings this week. I think they're more talented than your Vikings football team. They play the Raiders the week after that. Again, talent will be swayed to their side in that one too. So they can right the ship here. But yeah, it's just I think it's more about this just seems to be always the thing with them. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm giving a, a 7.5 on the Richter scale. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. Ah. Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. Yeah, I'm looking at this schedule, and you're right. They're at the Vikings, who we're going to get to momentarily, who are 0-2 and, and desperately need a win. Raiders, who knows what they have by week, very early by for the Chargers. And yeah. that actually helped Brandon Staley. It might. Because I don't know that 0-4 and two weeks off is enough for him to be sent packing during the season. I think it would have been more like 0-6, 0-7, 0-8, something like that. A later buy might have gotten him in greater trouble. But, you know, hey, look, owners are going to do whatever they do whenever they want to do it. But this is a, a tough schedule. They've got all the AFC East teams. They've got the Chiefs twice. I don't know what the Raiders and Broncos are going to be, but the, yeah, the, this is not an easy schedule by any stretch for the Chargers. So I'm with you. I'll, I'll, I'll go even a little higher. No, I'll go lower because I just don't think they're inclined to panic because they accept that's just the way it is. I'll go seven. They should be higher, but they're probably at seven. And by the way, let me just say this. The preseason's over, people. They have this online schedule grid for every team. When you click on the schedule, you have to scroll past the three preseason games. Nobody gives a shit about the preseason games anymore. Take those off your schedule to make it easier for people to see what the hell your schedule is. Thank you. All right, Bengals 0-2. And Joe Burrow aggravates the calf injury. Zach Taylor yesterday saying, can't really provide an update on whether we'll play on Monday night. What's their panic meter one to 10, Chris? 
the 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 Burrow injury definitely adds a little more to this, right? So I'm on the point five things here, where it's like I want to say five right down the middle, but because of the injury, I'm going to go five point five, right? Make it really hard in the control room to write that on the graphic, all right? But there's like I'm not panicked because one, we've seen them do this last year, and at the end of the year, they were one of the best teams in football. So, and they have a quarterback that we know is special and they're, they got some special players on both sides of the football. They do. Now their defensive line has been a little or less dominant than I, we've seen the last two years, which is a little scary there. And then the calf muscle injury is concerning there, but I guess I'm not full blown panic here. Just because, one, they got the Rams coming, and I know the Rams have been playing tough, but I think they're more talented than the Rams. And two, I just still think they're one of the more talented teams in football with one of the coolest clutch quarterbacks we've seen there. And because of that, I don't think they're going to panic very much, and they'll keep fighting here, and, and that's why I go with the 5.5. I'm not bothered by the 0-2 start for the reasons you previously articulated, but the calf injury yeah, is scary as me inclined to go 1.21 gigawatt panic. I'm going to go 8.9 for the Bengals because of the calf. And I laugh now. And I was talking to one of my friends last night about Burrow. And I was saying how you were pointing out, you grab that massage gun and just jam that thing into your injured area of your body. Like what the hell that, is that? That is doesn't that make it any better. No, right. No. Um, right. Th that, that calf, because, and, this is one of those situations where our own narrative is coming to fruition. So we let it ride, but we've said from the get go, you have to rest it, right? You have to rest it more and you have to rest it more. And you think it's fine. He's running fine. He's jogging fine. He's almost sprinting fine. He's fine. Then he goes out there into game conditions and it takes on a higher level and he's not fine. So You've got a calf problem that the head coach is mealy-mouthing his way around, as he should, doesn't have to say anything. I'm not, I don't mean that in a pejorative way, even though it sounds like but that's what you have to do. It's the day after the game. You play in a week. You don't want the Rams to, to know how impaired he's going to be if he does play. And I know that Joe Burrow versus Jake Browning, it's not like as you say all the time, hey, the pocket quarterback or the pocket quarterback, gee, who do we prepare for? But I just... I feel like they're going to have a problem with this and they're going to be holding it together all year long. When do you have, and I don't know when their buy is, that's his best chance to just get off of it for 14 days, but the damage may be done by then. Remember when Jamar Chase said, take all your time. Even if you come back by week five, we'll be fine. It would have been better for him to miss the first two games, but obviously they lost them. It would have been better for him to sit. It's better for him to not play. And they may be facing, they're not going to tell us this, they may be facing the very difficult decision behind the scenes of do we shut him down for a few weeks? Do we put him on IR and, and tie our own hands so we can't be tempted to bring him back and have it happen again? Because it's going to keep happening if he keeps coming back before it's fully healed, Chris. Yeah, no, I agreed. It, it, it's, it's, that's why it's scary. It is. And they're bye week to what you were saying. It's week seven. So it's a little ways off here. But, you know... Yeah, it, it's we're, we're certainly going to be. This will be one of the biggest stories in football. I mean, come on. This is the guy that I think a lot of people was like the betting favorite to, to maybe be the MVP other than Patrick Mahomes. So we know it. But Rams got the Titans, got the Cardinals after that. We know they're a good team. We've seen them do it before. But, yeah, the, it's all about Burrow and that, that calf. Yep. Uh, so I, I am much higher than you are, though, because of the calf. I think they'll be fine if he's healthy. I just don't want he's know when he's going to be healthy. All right, the Vikings, 0-2. Oh a couple of games they could have won. Last year, 11-0 in one-score games. This year, 0-2 oh in one-score games. They've got the Chargers coming to town this weekend. Then they go to Carolina. Then the Chiefs and the Bears. They should win at least two of the next four, maybe three of the next four, which will go a long way toward rectifying things. How high do you think they sit on our patent-pending panic me well you go first mr minnesota viking steelers fan well <laughs> i i still think that they should be panicking somewhat because it feels like something's off so i'll go 6.2 because something is off and they've got to eradicate it quickly and it's not just a matter of 
hey, let's just go do it again and we'll hold on to the football better. Well, there's something deeper. It feels like there's something deeper that's just showing itself in different ways. And if you do manage to hold on to the football, there's going to be something else. And then if you take care of that, there's going to be something else. I just feel like this year, and it may just be the football gods balancing the accounts after last year. Yeah, I know. You can't, because I said it like, it's not sustainable. Oh, we're going to develop this culture where we pull a rabbit out of our ass every week. It doesn't work that way in the NFL because the other team is trying to pull the rabbit out of their ass too. And sometimes they do it. And the fact that you managed to flip that card 11 out of 11 times last year makes it memorable because it's so rare. And the flip side this year may be it's going to go 11 times against you and you don't make it to the playoffs. And it's not going to take 11 if it happens 11 times with one score games and you lose six of them, you're not getting to the playoffs. Yeah, it's uh, I know it's a tough one with the Vikings. I look at it and just go in a lot of ways. I've liked the way they've played the first two weeks, right? The defense is better. Like that's, that's not even debatable. That was a great game plan the other night on Thursday night by Brian Flores and what they did. I mean, it was, and the offense, there's things to be encouraged about. I mean, you showed moments of going, damn, they're unstoppable. They can go up and down the field. We've seen the Bucks D be a pain in the butt. You know, we saw, we know the Eagles defense is good. You guys moved the ball on them too. But the concern is the self-inflicted injuries and the mistakes, whether it's the fumbles, an interception, not picking up Antoine Winfield in week one on a blitz by the running back and letting him blindside your quarterback. There, there's, there's things like that that are concerning. So I'm going to go with a six too because just because the, the other thing that's different with them and the Bengals is they don't have the talent the Bengals have. And that, that's where it's different. Like, we want to say, oh, they got the Chargers this week, right? But the Chargers got more talent than the Vikings, right? And then so that, that you just don't know where it goes from there. You know, yeah, you said it. Panthers next week, okay, they, they're, they're better than them. The Chiefs, though, the week after that, well, we know not there, right? So it's just it's, – it's, I think that's where you look at it. You go, wait, is the turnover bug a thing with them this year a little bit? And if it is, they're not good enough to overcome that. And that's where it's a little scary. And that's where I'll go with the, the six on the uh, panic meter. You're changing the tire on a moving car. Sometimes you can pull it off. Sometimes you can't. That next train, I'm mixing metaphors, is coming down the tracks. And how much can you really do? The benefit is they had a few extra days after the Eagles game to reassess. And every year, Chris, we see a team that does take full advantage of that extra time and address their flaws. You know, most of those teams have quarterbacks who work on Tuesdays, though but they really put in the extra commitment to fixing things on the fly. And it works. Sometimes you try to fix things and it doesn't work. So I just, I just think this is the, this is the bill to pay for everything that went so well last year for the Vikings. It's not going to go well this year. Let's take a break. When we return, didn't go well last year for the Broncos and their early signs. Not going to go well again, for the Broncos this year. We'll discuss the issues in Denver when PFT Live continues right after this. The communication was slow in the second half, specifically that second to last drive. Uh, what, what was going on? Well, there? It was more than just was. one drive. There was a number of drives, you know, where we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean, that's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. We got to be better, and uh, I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with with getting it, getting the play out, and then we got to look at how much we have in. But um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. That is Sean Payton from after Sunday's loss to the Washington Commanders. On Monday, he said, on this same topic, I think, number one, the first thing that we always try to look at, but we have to do a better job as coaches, is reduce the verbiage. If we have a longer play, then we can easily get to a wristband. We have to reduce the variables. I just finished saying this in the team meeting. If we're making mental errors defensively and offensively, we're having trouble breaking the huddle and getting lined up, then we have to look at it we have too much in the game plan, how do we reduce the verbiage of the line of scrimmage? Quite frankly, that's going to improve. This gets back to the deeper issue, Chris. Remember Pete Carroll said Russ didn't want to wear a wristband? Sure. And what's Sean Payton basically saying? Look, we have to glean 
what people mean from what they say. And with Sean Payton, I don't think it's as difficult as it is with other coaches. He never raised this issue a single time during the years that Drew Brees was his quarterback. Not once. There was never an issue with verbiage. There was never an issue with getting plays in. There was never an issue with getting plays called, getting guys out of the huddle. It was a well-oiled machine. Boom, 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 boom. Saints, Saints, touchdowns, yards, Breeze, records, Hall of Fame. And now, after two games with Russ, and here it is, and he's saying it out loud, I think we're going to see that wristband on Russ sooner rather than later. Now, I think didn't he eventually (laughs) relent last year and wear the wristband? Yes, he did. He wore it. Eventually did, right. Right. But, you know, thinking a little bit differently about Nathaniel Hackett, frankly, after a couple of weeks of Sean Payton and the things he's saying based on his work with Russell Wilson. Yeah, I I mean, I I would be shocked if we don't see the wristband this week. Because one, well, one, it is on Sean Payton to realize, like, wait, our offense, our quarterback, whatever, they can't handle all the the verbiage and stuff. So it is a little bit like, okay, you got to know your guys and you, you haven't seen enough at practice to go, wait, we don't get out of the huddle very smoothly. So he's smart enough to know that. But, yeah, like, uh, th- does there look like would, – would I would I think we're going to see the wristband this week? A hundred percent. Yeah, it, and he has a wristband on there. You can see. So I don't know if it's only a special plays or is it, like, all got, like, only the long ones on it or they're just not using it and it's just there and break in, in, in case of emergency. But I think this week you're probably going to go into – yeah, hey, it's play 74, and now he's going to read it just from there. That's that's what well, I would Chris, think. Chris, Chris, hang on. Right. I mean, when he, when he when Peyton's doing the play call, he's looking at the sheet. He's not saying 72. No, he's not. He's that's what I mean. They're not doing call. that right yeah. now. I think that's what they're going to have to do. Exactly right. No, right now he's going, you know, west, right, slot, Z counter, orbit, you know, 72 Z bingo split, can it with 58 Lexus. And my assessment would be that Russell's hearing those type of things, and he can't spit it back out all the way. So then it's a little bit of like slow or wait, hold on, let me get it straight. And they're breaking the huddle a little long there. So I I don't, I I don't imagine the verbiage being adjusted a ton here on the fly. It's a little too late for that. Now, also, I will say it is year, you know, year one and week two of a new system. So that's never easy. And Sean Payton's offense is famous for being, you know, full of verbiage so that there is something there to that. Right. But this is unacceptable for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton to have an issue getting out of the huddle. And then, you know, Sean Payton's, I mean, Russell Wilson's looked better. We've talked about that. There was first half was very good last week, yesterday, kind of the same. There was some moments where you went, man, he looks great to start the game. And then we showed just some of the highlights there. The one, the fumble, that was a huge turning point in the football game. The very next, so they go down and score a touchdown. The very next drive, he has a third down. He has Jerry Judy wide open. If he throws it to him on target, Jerry Judy's going to run for another 20 yards. He throws the ball low and behind him, and Jerry Judy has to go to the ground to try to catch it, and he doesn't get the first down. Commanders get the ball, go down, kick a field goal. Broncos dominate first half and only go up 21-14 into the half. And then, of course, the interception. In, in the in the second half, and then the just it became lack of execution and consistency. The interception was bad too. Now Peyton yells at the receiver, and I think maybe the receiver didn't adjust properly. But at the same time, you're Russell Wilson. You're really good. You just don't throw it out there when you see the guy still going straight. And he throws it right into the the first round pick, uh, you know, from uh, Mississippi State's. I'm blanking on that Forbes chest there. So there's just some mistakes there in, in both weeks and some things where you just go, that can't happen, especially with the quarterback and the way we're paying Russell Wilson right now. I just believe it wasn't spontaneous. It wasn't an accident. Sean Payton speaking to reporters. I hear you saying there. Things, laying the foundation yeah. for if it fails this year. When it failed last year, it was the coach. If it fails this year, it's the quarterback. They got that $35 million trigger rolling guarantee that comes due in March. And if, and and it's the Parcells attitude. Hey, I need somebody who can process my offense, run my offense, call my plays, execute my plays, get to the line of scrimmage and make it happen. And if I don't have that guy, I guess I got to go find one. And that's how he'll do it. 
And he's not going to keep Russell Wilson around just because there's some equity built up in the relationship or because of the cap consequence or whatever. He'll get a different quarterback who can run his offense the way he wants it to be run. And I think that's the clue. So Russell's got 15 games to show he's that guy. Right. And if he doesn't, it'll be a different guy next year, I believe, in Denver. All right, let's take a break. Another week, another historic quarterback contract. They're moving the hand up the bat. They're getting higher and higher. It's fitting on a day that I got my baseball hoodie on. More PFT Live right after this. Well, this one was coming. And it was a long time coming because other things had to happen. I was told back in March, April time frame, after some of these other quarterbacks were getting paid and I was starting to agitate for Patrick Mahomes to get an adjustment. The adjustment came and they had to wait for a couple of key things first all the other quarterbacks who were going to get paid had to get paid second the chris jones situation had to uh, be resolved hey, uh, the chris that's just that to me is a little weird if we're going to keep it real it's like let's get them in the building and get them here and then we'll announce the contract right that, that, i just i want to say that out loud i think that deserves well, to be said but you can't do it a week ago when Chris Jones isn't in and right. it's been eight since he showed up, sign the contract, let the dust settle, let him play a game. Oh, by the way, we're going to move some money around in the Patrick Mahomes contract to ensure that his cash flow over the next four years is better than anyone else's. And after the 2026 season, it's set up so they'll do it again. Yeah. That's what this was all about. And this is one of those moments where I just, when you get so busy, you piss yourself off because you forget something. I was told Thursday night to keep my eyes open for the Chiefs to take future money, move it forward now that Burrow's done. And it was on my informal list of stuff to write, and I forgot. It was going to be like one of the Sunday morning things I did. Damn. And I and Man. I forgot. Wow. That's, and so when I saw yesterday. You're not very clutch in big moments. You must be no, like that quarterback I with the Vikings. You're like, leg. just like him. Prime time came and right you just, yeah, you did. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't that I knew it was going to happen, but it was one of those things that I pride myself on getting ahead of the curve, knowing where the puck is going. It's the kind of insight we try to bring to the table. So I was so pissed at myself yesterday for not remembering to write that because I had every intention to write. They're going to take future money. They're going to move it forward and it's going to be a short-term fix and it's going to set the stage for it again. And that's exactly what they did. And, and Mahomes gets it. I'm told, I haven't written this yet, but I'm told they were trying as part of this balance to offer more fully guaranteed money in lieu of more cash. Right. He knows it doesn't matter. What are they going to do? Cut him? Yeah, right. He knows for him, right. guarantees don't matter. Now the full 208.1 he's going to make over the next four seasons, including the 35 million he'd already made this year, but it's 208.1 over the next four years through 2026. It's all guaranteed for injury. Full guarantee doesn't matter because they're never going to cut him for skill or cap. Right. And, and they're never going to cut him for injury. What injury is he going to have? that's going to cause the chiefs to say, we're done with this guy. It's never going to happen. No, that's the way it always was with quarterback contracts. You never saw a quarterback get cut before the end of the deal. Then came Jared Goff and the hot potato and Carson Wentz and the Lamar Jackson injury concern that five years from now, he may not be effective and we'll cut him between now and then. But for a pocket passer, even though Mahomes truly isn't one, but he's trying to become one as he gets older, where he doesn't have to run around, he can just get the ball and throw it because he knows what's coming. You don't have to worry about guarantee. Yeah. You're guaranteed as a practical matter. They're never going to cut you. And if they cut you, somebody else is going to pay you more than what you were supposed to make anyway. So wait, my, so he gets <clears throat> $208.1 million over the next four years, right, Mike? Yes. Who, who was closest to that? You know, uh, that that was the cut my eye when you said that. Lamar you know. Jackson, 208 over the next four. Lamar okay. Jackson's 208. So that point one, that point one gets him past the cash flow the highest cash flow over the next four years. And does that and count the $35 million that he already got this year, you're saying? Does well, that, that's already in there? That's, okay. that's what's All done right. to placate him to get to the 208.1. Gotcha, okay. $35 million he's already made in roster bonuses this year is put into his full take for this year. So it's 
23, 24, 25, 26. But, you know, Lamar Jackson's already gotten his money for this year, too. I mean, it's apples and oranges, and you can make different arguments that it should or shouldn't count because he's already made that money. Right. But from his perspective, to get to where he wanted to be, that's what they did. And they're going to do it again after the 2026 season. And uh, it was just a matter of Burrow had to be done, and, yeah, Chris Jones had to be done. And you have to wonder what Chris Jones is going to think about it Definitely. and where that's where that's going to go and how that's going to play out and who he's going to be upset with at some point is he upset with his agents? Not, not necessarily the chiefs. He may be pissed at everybody by the time it's all said and done. All right, we'll take a break. Something we didn't do yesterday because there were still two games left to be played and we ran out of time. The week two Sunday and Monday statement draft for PFT live right now. Sunday and Monday statement draft for week two of the 2023 NFL regular season. Anyone, any team, any coach, any person, anything, whatever you want to do, Chris, you're up. Okay. Well then I'll do whatever I want to do and I'll go with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. That that's, that's, that's really. We How do you not go Michael Parsons? Why would you take Michael? Why would you not take Michael Parsons made the statement? Well, it's, it's obvious. We know that. I mean, it's, he's the best defensive player. We spent 25 minutes talking about him yesterday. I don't need to read, like read rehash that he's the best defensive player in football. That, that's, we knew that there was a statement on Sunday this week that they might have an offense. That'd be damn good to go along with it. That this Dallas team and what Mike McCarthy looked like calling the game the other day looked really good. And Dak Prescott, after last year and poor play and poor play in the worst in the biggest moments and the turnovers, you play that Jets defense, you know, they ran the ball effectively enough. But I think the most encouraging thing was just that they had the proper game plan and the Jets team that we know can rush the passer. It's hard to get big plays down the field. And Dak Prescott showed great patience, great seeing of the field, great accuracy to kind of pick apart a really good defense and played it smart you know 31 completions 255 I don't need to take a chance I know my defense can stop their offense so that's to me was the statement of Dak Prescott's looked pretty good through two weeks he didn't have to do much week one but I thought the way he looked the other day was damn impressive and then you add CeeDee Lamb and Pollard to the mix there uh yeah I think they made a statement on that side of the ball this week that's that's worth noting Mike we talked about this guy yesterday, and I'm going to talk about him again today. Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Six catches, 171 yards, and a touchdown in that oppressive heat. 30 years old. He's had 1,000 or more receiving yards every year of his career. The contract talks went nowhere. Pulled the plug the day before week one. I asked him after the game, what if they come to you and they say, we want to talk contract? He says, I'm not talking contract until I have a contract. So he's out there week after week proving himself. They won't be trading him. There's no reason to. They're going to be very much alive in the chase for playoff spots in the NFC. And Mike Evans getting it done and maybe making the Bucks regret they didn't pay him when they could have, Chris. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I mean, he's he's uh, you know still a weapon and still a guy that if you leave him one-on-one, -on -one, it's a little scary. I, I think the next, the next one I'll go to here, I'm going to go to the Chiefs' defense, all right? The Chiefs' defense – has been the star of the show for that football team to this point. We know either game, the offense hasn't looked that good. Drops, turnovers, whatever else. It's a lot on Mahomes right now. That's for sure. Offensive line hasn't been good. But I think we all go, wait, it's only a matter of time. And I do think the Chiefs are the type of team that will kick the tires on any possible thing to do to make their offense better as we get closer to the trade deadline. So that's where I'm like not panicked about that. But the D, man, what I mean – Good performance in week one against a dangerous Lions offense. We know that. Week two to go on the road and kick the crap out of the Jacksonville Jaguars and make Trevor Lawrence, who's a superstar, not look very good and keep him out of the end zone with and being put in bad situations by the Chiefs special teams and offense. Wow. So they, they made a big statement to me. Dalvin Cook caught a stray earlier when we were talking about guys who maybe start to lose a little bit in the running back department. Yeah. James, James Cook yeah. catching no strays. 17 carries, 123 yards, 7.2 yards per carry. One of the big reasons the Buffalo Bills 
managed to turn around that week one outcome. And in that same game, the defending Jim Brown award winner, the rushing champion from last season, became the first reigning rushing champion to have negative rushing yards in a game. Minus two on nine carries for Josh Jacobs. What a stat line that is in that same game. You see James Cook get 123 and only 17 carries. Big reason why the Bills won that game against the Raiders on Sunday. We're going to take a break. We got one more round of the Sunday and Monday statement draft next on this Tuesday edition of PM. All right, there's our pick so far. Week two, Sunday and Monday statement draft. Chris, you got one more. Make it count, baby. Make oh. it count. You only got one left. Make it your best. I'm going to go to the Falcons and that that offense, the O-line, the run game. They made a statement on Sunday, you know, and, and specifically Bijan Robinson. Like, that was kind of the coming out party. We saw one or two plays in week one where he went, ooh, he looks good, but he didn't really go off. Last week was, hello, NFL I'm Bijan Robinson, and I'm awesome. And that's where it was really cool. And then, hey, I think that, that Packer defense is, is a good front. But as we talked about a lot, that Falcons O-line is as good as it gets in football. And now that they got that guy going, watch out. So they, that was a statement by the Falcons O-line in their run game. Although we try to be as expansive and broad as possible with this exercise, I have to go back to where the show began because I was at the game last night in Pittsburgh, the first game I've been to in nearly 20 years as just a fan of the game. And the Steelers defense, as fueled by the crowd, Steelers defense plus crowd, T.J. Watt said it himself, Yeah, that was the difference between victory and defeat for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin said, I will not apologize for winning. Take that win when you can get it. And Chris, when the Steelers scored the touchdown to go ahead and everybody went nuts right my son and i didn't know what to do so we reverted to Baru. you gave a <laughs> you gave a vikings a viking celebration <laughs> of the steelers game <laughs> yes yes i like it i'm glad you had fun last night and where were you sitting that's what i want to know we didn't really discuss that because man it seems like you can't hide money from some of the pictures i saw here. Not trying to. Yeah. Where were you sitting, though? Let me hear it. Where? Uh, not trying to. Oh, oh little bro box, man. You were the Roonies? You were the Rooney family? Damn, you're Can't big hide time. Money. Not trying to. See ya. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.